I'll wash the back and clean it too. Full detail is now available. While you wait on your vehicle, customer seating is available as well as the dining area. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., so make sure you stop by. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies and meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, and cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so stop by Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, and Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love for you to visit. Also, I want to take this time to let everyone know that pre-orders for my new book, my first book actually, is available right now. The title of the book is called Elf School, Life is Your Best Teacher. I know that's kind of controversial, but I've been telling everybody about it, what it means. But um, you really have to read it to understand. But pre-orders are available right now. Um, you can, you can uh, pre-order through cat, through my cash app, which is carlosksmith.com. Make sure you put the dollar sign on it, dollar sign carloskmith.com or through PayPal at carlosmith10 at yahoo.com. The book will also be available on Amazon. So order your copy today, and thank you guys for all the love and support. Also, the official book signing will be March the 28th for the books, for the book release. So if anybody would love to come out, it's, um, it's an open house, and make sure you uh, stop by and pick your copy up. But today, we have a very special guest with us today. She is an entrepreneur. She has an amazing story, very touching story. Um, and I did a lot of research on it. I uh, just saw the article, like I was telling you. But she is the franchise owner of, of Four Covers International here in the upstate. Ms. Janet Rossman, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Like I said, just to give people a little bit of the backstory. I was sitting at home, as, as I'm usually doing, just sending out emails, trying to set up interviews. And I think I was, something happened. Where I, I was happy to be on uh, Facebook at the time. And somebody shared your story. And so, you know, of course, me, I always take the initiative to read because I'm always reading something, just trying to figure out where we're going next for our interviews. So once I saw your, read your story, I was like, man, this is, it'd be great if she had, uh, would love to come on and share her story. I know, um, I know it may be a little bit difficult with everything going on, but so I, I came out here. You were, you were here at the time. I, I can't remember the young lady's name that was here, but she was very nice. And uh, I told her, I gave her my information and said that she would love to come on. Um, we would be happy to have her on so she could share her story. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So just, you know, just reading your story. First thing I want to ask you um, through everything, just how are you feeling today? Um, today, uh, it changes from day to day, but today mm -hmm. is good. Um, we had a couple sales and the sun's shining and I'm going to be out in the car moving around, meeting customers. So today's good. Um, with my, with my story, there are definitely days where are a little tougher than others, but for the right. most part, we're, we're doing great. Right. So, so people, people watching this, they don't know you and they say, who is Janet Rosman? What would you tell them? I would say uh, Janet Rosman is somebody that was blessed to be born in the upstate. Um, she was blessed to be uh, able to meet her soulmate at the age of 16 and get married at 18. Um, I was blessed to work hard and, and be blessed with some really good jobs and was able to travel the world. Um, and in doing that, realized that the upstate is, I wouldn't live anywhere else but the upstate. Absolutely. I love the upstate. I think I saw you went to Dorman. Is I did. that correct? Yes. Yeah, I had some family members that went to Dorman. My mom, she went to Spumberg, so they always, during that oh, football yeah, season, yeah. they go crazy. But 
was was Dorman? I'm, I know I'm telling my age right now. Uh, is Dorman at the time? Was it over at the uh, where the dorm center is when you was there, or what was it, that? When the we I, we laugh and say we went to school at the Walmart. Um, oh, yes, Walmart, yes, yeah. yeah. We I graduated in '89, oh. so yes, I was there. Um, I actually graduated the the 25th anniversary of of Dorman, um, which was a fun time. We buried a time capsule out front, so mm-hmm. supposedly they dug it up before they built Walmart um, and moved to the new campus. Wow. But yeah, it's just time. amazing to see how big the school has gotten since. Since then, I'm like, man, that's a almost like a college the way yeah, it is. Well, I see people have T-shirts on sometimes that say Dorman University. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a huge, huge uh, school. It, it is. Um, but just talk about some of your previous work experience. Like, what what was your work experience like leading up to to this moment to having your own mm-hmm. business? Um, well, growing up, my um, I was the first person in my family to go to college, so I got married at 18, and my husband worked lots of overtime, and I worked part-time jobs to get through school. And my thought was, I'm going to get my, my a degree in accounting because I can always find a job in accounting. Mm-hmm. That was my, my philosophy. So um, at the time, I went to Spartanburg Tech technical college and was pursuing an associate's degree in accounting. And I enjoyed that and was doing well at it. Uh, I got a part-time job working working in accounting. And probably about a year in, I was like, I like this, but I don't think I can do this for the next 40 years of my life. Right. Um, so at that time, talked to my husband, and I was like, I think I'm going to go on and get my four-year degree and, and do something a little bit different. And so I transferred to USC Upstate with a, with a focus in psychology. And the company I was working with um, kind of recognized that I was a good worker and, you know, and I, I knew the accounting side of things, but they actually created a marketing job for me. Mm. So I got paid to go shop and look for bad packaging. <laughs> so I, they gave me an American Express card, and they said, go shop and bring back bad packaging. And then I would work with our art department to find ways to redesign it for either cost efficiencies for printing it on the press, because we were a package printer, um, or just aesthetics or strategy, what have you. Um, and so we did that. And so that's really where I got my foot in with marketing and design. Um, and from there, I moved into customer service. That was back in the days where just-in-time inventory became kind of the catchphrase. And so mm-hmm. the company decided they really needed to do a better job at customer service. And so they asked me to, to jump to that side. I did. Um, and was able to be a part of starting a new I mean, we had customer service before, but it wasn't the way that we needed to Mm -hmm. um, have it. And so really was able to be a part of a great team to to create a great customer service department. Um, Definitely with customer being our focus all the time, while at the same time making sure that we were, you know, making money and being as efficient as we could. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, I went into sales um, and was able to take over some of the accounts that I had been customer service for, primarily in the textile industry. So this was, um, you know, late 90s, and textile industry was still very prevalent on mm-hmm. the East Coast. So I, I traveled from Virginia to Georgia um, selling package printing to textile mills. So you have a lot of work experience, and almost like you just work with the public all the time. I was just wondering, just growing up, did you come from a family of entrepreneurs, or, or, did, or did your parents actually work like 9 to 5 pretty much? Um, a little of both. My mom was a bank teller for 40 years. She loved being a bank teller. You know, I, I saw her, you know, get up every morning and put her skirt and her hose and her high heels on and, and go uh, wait on people at the bank. Um, my dad was a bread man. 
And so for years he worked, he delivered Marita bread. Um, And then I forget what age he was, but he did go out on his own and purchase a Pepperidge Farm franchise for him and my brother. So I had had a little taste or a little glimpse of what that meant and the hard work that was behind it. Um, But yeah, he bought a Pepperidge Farm franchise and grew it and it supported him and my brother for many years. And then he added another route. Then he decided to retire. And so he started selling those off and Mm. Um, so I did see that piece of it. Um, I guess way back in the days when I, when I was young, uh, we had a lot of land and we farm, my dad farmed tomatoes. So Mm. our job in the summer was to pick tomatoes, shine them and box them. And then he would take them to the local grocery stores to sell them. And that was kind of our extra money that we got during the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that was a little bit of a entrepreneurial spirit there trying to find unique ways to, to earn money. Did you ever think you would get to a point where you would come back around to um, entrepreneurship, just being around it, or did you pretty much have your mindset that you were gonna, you know, of course, work for somewhere else, get that experience, and then come back around to it? Like, how was that for you? Did you? I think I always just felt like with with all of my family members, you know, you started working somewhere, and that's where you stayed for mm-hmm. lifetime. Um, right. So, you know, in I probably the the most part of my brain just thought that I would always be working for someone, which I was completely fine with. You mm-hmm. know, I I enjoy being a part of a, a bigger group. Um, I, I don't have trouble with authority figures telling me what I need to do. That's never been an issue. It just you know as you mature and age and as you gain new experiences your philosophy and your perspective changes a little bit. And right. so I think that's kind of where I had just come to a crossroad of really asking myself, what did I really enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the answer that my husband and I kept talking about was, I really enjoy helping support and build up other people, but I also really like getting dirty, like getting in the, the, the nitty-gritty details of things and mm-hmm. figuring out how things work um, and trying to find out how you make them better. You know, it's, it's one of those things. There's always a learning curve of, you know, I know what I need to do. So let me just get it done now and then start working in to make it efficient. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I guess probably spring early year, early in 2019, I just really, I went, um, I did a spiritual boot camp where was doing like lots of Bible reading and praying and journaling, just trying to uncover what it was that was next on my agenda because I knew where I was wasn't where I needed to be. Right. I didn't know where I needed to be at the time. I just knew, you know, just had that 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 uh, stirring that there was something else out there for me. Right. And that's that's what I saw. Um, and we, we talk about it all the time, you know. Um, we're always thankful to have a job, but for, it's part of us that just feels like it's just something more that we can mm-hmm. do, something more fulfilling that we can do. And like I said, I always love to, you know, help people and, and inspire others and have this platform to where we can hear so many different stories. And I, like you said, I, I saw in Herald Journal where it said you were kind of like ready for a change, like it just something hit you where you're just ready for a change. What kind of different, what kind of different business ventures were you looking at when you um, when you were ready for your change? Well, I actually, I had really just gotten through the point of what I wanted to do and what I liked doing was starting starting things from scratch. That's mm-hmm. what I had uncovered. Um, and then I actually had a, um, a headhunter reach out to me in the first part of the summer in 2019 and said, hey, have you ever thought about owning your own business? And I went, 
not really, you know, again, mm-hmm. because it was, you're just supposed to work for somebody else all your life. And right. I was okay with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, I just, I just continued to talk with him. Um, he had many, many conference calls with me and my husband, just really asking me questions and asking us questions about what we like doing. Um, you know, where, if we were going to do something on our own, what would it look like? And, you know, it was a very process driven thing, which at first I was like, this is kind of weird. But at, now looking back, it was very, it was a very good process because mm-hmm. it really kind of took this whole big world that was open to me and helped me narrow it down just for me. Um, so basically he brought back after all those questions and all those, those hours on conference calls with my husband and him, he brought back five different, um, opportunities for me. All of them were franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them was a tutoring service. One of them was window cleaning, the floor covering business. Um, and I honestly can't remember the, the other two. Um, but there were questions like, are you too proud, are, are you too proud to do anything? Um, mm-hmm. Which was, I thought, an odd question for him to ask. But in doing that, it was, are you okay cleaning windows? You know, would mm-hmm. you be okay with that? I am. I'm okay. I don't know how. I don't know how good I'd be right. at it, but um, I'm not too proud to do it. Um, so it was a very um, interesting process to walk through that, so that he could narrow down and and go out and actually find some really good opportunities that that fit, you know, what where my interests lies. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, like you say, kind of like we're just talking. You know, you work somewhere for like the next 30, 40 years until you retire. Do you think that's just a thing that we have down south, or you just think it's pretty much like all of society because sometimes when we go to different areas i know when we go to atlanta sometimes we see a lot of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um having their own opportunities they network they Mm -hmm. work with each other um one of the people we wanted one of the families we had on in uh in gastonia last year mr three's crab pot the husband was from from uh new york Mm -hmm. and he said up there you know they were kind of like taught kind of like to have their own business Mm -hmm. a lot of times but and we were telling down here we're just kind of like we're in a sense, like wired to kind of like go work for someone else mm-hmm. for some type of, for some type of reason. I know mm-hmm. it's it's very sometimes you do see people that have their own business, mm-hmm. but a lot of times it's like you know like around here, um, like if you go and work at mission one of these major corporations, mm-hmm. do you think that's just like a thing that we have down here in our area? I think some of it may be a regional type mentality, but also I think it's just what you're exposed to, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, you know, for, you go back to the, the origins of the textile mills, which was the major manufacturing that was in the South, there wasn't a lot of options, but I think in, in other report, in other regards, like you think about farmers who you've got farmers who are farming the land, but then they also may sell honey on the side or like my dad, where, you know, he was a bread man and we farmed tomatoes and, you know, it was, mm-hmm. and so there was some semblance of that. I think some of it is just the having a great idea. And I think having the confidence to, to support that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even as I was trying to think about what I wanted to do, you know, my husband, he was addicted to Facebook marketplace. So he was like, I'll give you a bay in my garage. I'll go buy this furniture and you refinish it and then resell it, yeah. which was a good idea. But that was like, I mean, that's like starting from scratch, scratch, right. you know? <laughs> um, I think the franchise, what it offer, what it affords people, it's some of the basic business is already figured out for you. 
So you can really get in there. You kind of go into it with a little bit more confidence that you're not starting something from scratch. It is on you. I mean, it's on me to to sell and it's on me to produce good jobs and it's on me to to have uh, good customer service. Um, but there was some framework there. Um, but I do think in the South, I think it's it's a little bit different, but I think the South is, is changing and, mm-hmm. and you're getting more influences from outside the region. And I think because of the growth that the South is seeing right now, there are more opportunities mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs to come in and, and kind of create an, their own little niche for them. Mm-hmm. Now, I do feel like we do see more of it now. Um, whether I see a lot of my friends on Facebook with, Hair, clothes, makeup, mm-hmm. whatever it is that it did, even if they're just doing it on the side, mm-hmm. I see a lot more mm-hmm. of it now. But it just seemed like growing up for us, and like even we we said all the time, even in school, we didn't really learn about it, mm-hmm. like being an entrepreneur. Like we, I saw it a little bit with my uncle, but I never really like paid attention mm-hmm. to it that much. Um, but like I said, we we are starting to see more of it now mm-hmm. than we did in the past, and yeah. I think the pandemic brought a lot of that out mm-hmm. also because when you see a lot of people losing their livelihood, yeah. then it kind of forced them to, you know, be creative mm-hmm. and and do other things that they haven't tried before. Maybe they wanted to try it in the past, but they didn't have the time to. So when the pandemic kind of slowed things down, they had a chance, you know, to kind of start being creative again mm-hmm. and, and try to figure out other ways to, you know, create some income because, and I think that's what it showed us also was, you know, having multiple streams of income mm-hmm. can can be valuable as well. Right, for sure. And I, did, and I agree with you. I think, you know, again, growing up, um, I mean, I remember when my dad said he was going to buy this Pepper's Farm franchise, and we all were like, you're going to do what? Uh, <laughs> you know, we knew he knew the business. That wasn't the question. It was just that it was taking a leap of faith. So I do agree. And I also think just the today with the power of social media from, you know, it it gives you a much larger audience than we ever could have had, mm-hmm. you know, 20 years ago, right. um, which I do think has changed the landscape. I do think the COVID has, has kind of come home and it's kind of like, there's other ways to, to do this. Um, and it, it, I think it's, a, it's an exciting time. Um, it's again, starting being an entrepreneur is not for the faint at heart. It's, Absolutely. uh, <laughs> they're hard days, but, but, but good. Absolutely. So, so for you, when it was time to make that jump, did you just, when you made that transition, did you just quit your job and go cold turkey or did you kind of like slowly um, make that transition to where you were trying to do both at the same time? I, I went ahead and, and quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was one of those things that it was kind of like when I met my husband. When I met him, I knew he was the person I was supposed to marry, so we got married. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had, I had finally, I had wrestled for probably a year and a half with what I needed to do, and I had finally came to the conclusion that I knew I didn't need to be where I was anymore. Um, at that point, I was not sure whether or not I was going to buy the, the franchise. Um, mm-hmm. they, have, they had offered me the territory, um, but nothing had been signed. And I took probably two months to really kind of go, is this really, am I up for this? Um, you know, after my husband passed away and, you know, was getting used to being a single mom of two great teenagers, but mm-hmm. still, you know, the, your whole world had been turned upside down. And I was like, I don't know that I, that I have it in me. Um, but part of it was he was convinced that this is what I needed to do, which gave me a little confidence, you know, even beyond, mm-hmm. um, and I do, I'm a nerd and I love home improvement and, you know, I can only change the floors out at my house so often. So, um, so it was one of those of my daughter, she's 16. She looked at me, she says, you're getting old. 
And if you're going to do it, you need to do it now. <laughs> so I was like, okay, let's try this. Um, and so that was that was that. But no, I, we I went ahead and and just quit quit cold turkey and said I just need to take I need to step back mm-hmm. and really evaluate and see if this is what I what I need to do. And, and it probably felt like a sigh of relief knowing that you just left and it knew that you were doing something for you. Were you were you nervous or was it just like a like you just got this something off of your back? And it was just like a big relief to knowing that you were doing something that you were ready to, to do on your own. It, it was a little bit of a sigh. It was just the fact that I had made a decision mm-hmm. was the sigh of relief. You mm-hmm. know, it, it was um, definitely my, my job was very much part of my life. And um, the people that, that I helped that were on my team, um, you know, they had kept me going for a long time just because I wanted to wanted to keep helping them. Um, but then I realized I had reached the time to where it was, it was time. It was time. And so it was, it was a little bit of a relief. Uh, I know, uh, 2019, I think you, you, you were getting ready to do the business. Then the, the accident happened with your husband. Was that at the, did he ever get an opportunity to kind of work with you on the business or, or how was it? Or was it just, no, um, we actually, the day that he had his accident, um, we were going to Atlanta the next week um, mm. for kind of our final interview. Um, so, again, with the company, it's very much a family-oriented company. So it was one of those things, we want you to come down with your husband. Um, and it was a final interview before they offered the territory, for sure. Um, so we had taken a picture that morning at about 7 o'clock before we left to go to work. And um, I had to go get, I had my hair cut and him and the kids were working in the yard. I was grabbing dinner and, and headed home and, and I got the phone call that he had fallen. Um, mm-hmm. And I really didn't even, I had forgot about us taking that picture that morning because he fell at about seven o'clock that evening. So literally about 12 hours after we took the picture and I had sent it off to, you know, to the home office at, at FCI um, that I was getting the call and, and it was just a, a very surreal thing mm-hmm. throughout the, the whole process. You know that when you when you said it about taking that picture earlier that day, it kind of actually gave me like a flashback of what happened to my uncle back in in November. I remember my brother posted on my his work anniversary, and it was like his seventh year. He was he's moved up to a district manager at his where he works at, and he posted a picture just like for a celebration of like his employee, his you know his workers, you know, had a cake for him and everything. And my uncle commented on it and said, "Congratulations, proud of you," something along those lines. And that was maybe like nine or ten o'clock that morning, and then maybe like four or five o'clock that day, my uncle passed away. Oh wow! Yeah, it was, and it was just like it was crazy because it just happened so quickly, like mm-hmm. just like that. He had just come in, and, and I had just saw him. I said this in previous interviews. I saw, I actually saw him that Wednesday, and we went to Atlanta to shoot an interview that Thursday and Friday is when he dropped mm-hmm. in, just like yeah. that. And it was just like it just gave me like a flash. But when you said it, it's like mm-hmm. it's crazy how. Things just happen like in a split of a second. It, like, it like, does. It does. Like and know. and even like I go back to the night at the emergency room, I remember sitting there and just kind of, I felt like I was, I felt like I was in a movie. Like, I don't know whether God was preparing me for the next couple months that we were facing, but it was just, it was just a real surreal situation, um, the whole piece of it. And then, you know, I think now, you know, I was able to spend, you know, he fell on September 18th and didn't pass away until November 16th. So I got to spend every day with him. You know, I'd get to the ICU at eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, they'd make me leave at lunchtime and then I'd spend the afternoon with him. And he was on a ventilator and couldn't talk, but he would, he did a lot of talking with his eyes. Mm-hmm. He, <laughs> um, we knew what he was thinking by his eyes. Um, 
So even uh, just a few days before he passed away, I remember standing, I was working at the end of his bed and I was working at, on work and I was kind of talking and every time I'd look up, he was staring at me and I was, I'm like, why are, why are you staring at me? And he would just kind of shake his head like, you know, nothing, no reason. And I would tell him, oh, I'm working on this or I'm working on this. And I remember look, looking at him and I said, I think it's time for me to be done and referring to my to my job. And he looked at me and he just closed his eyes and shook his head up and down. Mm. So even, you know, that was on a Thursday, he passed away on a Saturday. Um, I mean, it just, it was time, right. it was time. And so that was, you know, you know, hindsight, I would, I wish God would have left him here so right. um, we could be doing this together. But for whatever reason, that's, mm. I trust his sovereignty and, we're gonna do what we can, and yes, ma'am. I saw when you said something about he, like he had saw confidence in you, something that you didn't see in yourself. What was it that you felt like he actually he saw in you? Um, Cause you said he really did believe in you. He was like he your did. biggest cheerleader. What do you think he was that he saw in you? I don't. We just always clicked, and he loved me, and he believed I could do anything, mm -hmm. and. Here I go. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, part of it, I, I know, I don't, not part of it, part of it, it, it was that he loved me um, and that we grew up together. So we had done some crazy, <laughs> crazy, impossible things together. You know, we built a house together and we yeah. raised kids together. And um, I don't know, he just always had a lot more confidence in me and my abilities than many times I had in myself. And I'm, and I'm a confident person, but there's always that, oh, did I, should I do this or should I do that? And, you know, he was my sounding board. So I could come home and say, I'm thinking about this and, mm -hmm. and what do you think? And, and that's kind of how we got on the, the subject of, I remember him, he was standing at the sink and I'm like, I just, I think it's time. I just, I think it's time for me to move on. I just got to figure out what, what that is. And, and I remember him looking at me. He said, well, you know you can do anything you want to. And I'm like, no, I can't. No, I can't. And he's like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, so, yeah. So he, he definitely, um, and I think that's hopefully in any good marriage, you've got that. But he mm -hmm. just, he, we always tried to support each other and, and build each other up. And um, so, yeah, he definitely always had had more confidence in me. I know you said um, at his funeral, you said uh, like over a thousand people showed up. What did that mean to you to see so many people um, show up at his funeral? Um, I had no idea that that many people would show up. I mean, I knew he was a good guy and I knew he had a lot of connections because he'd been at BMW for 25 years. Mm -hmm. um, he was in one of the first groups hired and so he knew lots of people. Um, I think a coworker had started the Caring Bridge site for me, um, and I was a little bit hesitant at first, but everybody was just bumped. They were wanting to know what was going on with him. You know, my work people, family, you know, his work people, and, and the Caring Bridge site just became something that was an outlet so that I could keep everybody up to date. Um, and so I do think all that kind of played into that, but I think, you know, Lawrence was the guy who wanted to make everybody laugh. Um, he could be crude at times, um, but he was the one that I, somebody told me they were like, if I needed to sit down and plan something, 
Lawrence wasn't the one to, that I would call, but if there was a catastrophe going on, he was the first one that I called. He worked great in, under pressure, and he would most of the time, like, somehow try to bring some some comedy or, or laughter to it. Right. And, you know, he would, tell, he would tell me, I don't like people. But he really did love people, mm-hmm. and you can tell you can find anybody that worked for him or worked with him. Um, they may not always agree on things, but you know he he never would ask you to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And mm-hmm. um, you know in the beginning he knew every station at BMW he would work them, and that earned respect for him um, as a manager at BMW that he, you know he would get in there and he knew it and. Um, he'd listen to people. I've had stories where, you know, they were people, guys that had going through divorces or had lost children and they'd be in just dark places and they would call Lawrence and, and he would, he would help talk them out of it and and give them a different perspective. Um, but he was a very non-assuming guy. Like, you know, he was just, he was, he, what you saw is what you saw. There was Mm -hmm. no put on about him. Um, and I think people gravitate to that and they recognize that. So yes, we had no idea that that many people would show up. Um, and I, and I think my niece who is a writer summed it up pretty well that not, and I won't say it just like she said it. He wasn't this guy that did grand gestures of kindness. Mm -hmm. He just did small things every day for everybody that he came in contact with. Um, which is one of those things of if, if everybody, did the small kind gestures every day to build up people. I mean, what kind of world would we be in? Yeah, so a much better place. Yeah. And, and like I said, people always remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Like no matter what, they're always mm-hmm. going to make you re- uh, remember how you made them feel. So that's mm-hmm. they're definitely a true testament to him and the, mm-hmm. and the man that he was. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do your kids um, handle um, the death of their father, especially at such a young age? How, how are they handling now? Um, we're all good. They have, they, as far as school grades and, you know, us deciding who's taking out the trash and who's cutting the grass, we're mm-hmm. getting all that. Again, they love their dad. And right. um, my daughter is much like her dad. Um, she misses him and she loves talking about him and the funny things that he used to do and sing. He was always singing. Um, but she misses him and she right. was a daddy's girl. Um, my son, he's often said, um, they both had to grow up way too fast. But the one thing I think the most mature thing I heard him say was he sat down one day and he's, he's got a small group of friends that they've been friends with forever. And he says, you know, he said, I'm pretty lucky. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I had a good dad. I had a good dad mm-hmm. that showed me how to change the oil and taught me how to ride a bike. And he says, a lot of my friends, they don't have a dad at all. And mm-hmm. he said, I just wish I had appreciated him more while he was here. Um, so I think that we all recognize that he was a, a big, powerful presence in our life. Um, and he's impacted us and he's helped us and he still helps us. Um, I mean, I was on an install today and a, and a red bird flew by. And I'm a firm believer that a red bird is him. Every morning when mm-hmm. I open my blinds in my bedroom, there's a red bird sitting out on the fence. Um, so I know he's still with us and, and he's still supporting us, but they... You know, again, we all have we all have hard days, but for the right. most part, um, we're we're doing okay. His his big thing was, if something didn't go like we wanted, and I'd come home and I'd be you know ding 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 about something, he was like, just turn the page. Mm-hmm. If something didn't turn out like you want it, just turn the page, 
and start over. So we all three know very much so that that's what he would be telling us right now mm -hmm. is, is turn the page. He would want us all to be happy. And, uh, and so that's what we, we strive to do. I know you were saying you kind of wish, um, of course, I know all of you wish you were still here. Did you ever have a point where you were kind of ever had like a moment where you kind of question your faith? Like, why did this happen to you and your family? Did you ever have any of those type of moments? I've questioned yes and no. I, I've questioned in the fact of why us. Um, what I have not done is I trust the sovereignty of the Lord. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I even go back to the fact that I was doing my spiritual boot camp at the first part of 2019. I think all of that was a part of I've always had a strong faith don't always live and do what I'm supposed to do. But as far mm -hmm. as faith in God and faith in what he can do, that's never been a question. So um, I think my big question right now is God's taken us through this journey and what am I supposed to do with it? Right. What, how am I supposed to use it? Um, I had a, a, a church family member that lost their daughter and in a horrific car wreck and so we had gathered up stuff and I took it to her house and I'll never forget she looked at me and she goes Janet I feel very blessed that God's called me to walk this road and my kids were little at the time and I remember going home and I looked at Lawrence and I was like I don't understand what she's saying she's just lost her daughter why is she saying that and it became very apparent to me what she meant after we went through all that we went through it's God's put us this adversity in our life, and I know something good's going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. And so I guess what I question is my ability to be faithful in walking that. Right. And I know it's, 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 it's a crazy if you don't want this, thing, this to happen. But like you say, you went through a spiritual boot camp, and then leading up to it, your, your husband passed away. How, how, do you, how do you stay strong in, in times like this? Because I, I also think about my cousin, um, her son, well, he was actually my second cousin. He had just graduated uh, a few years ago. He had graduated in May, and uh, I think that uh, September, October, he was he was gunned down. He was killed. Mm -hmm. And um, my cousin, I mean, she's trying to stay strong, but she, you can, uh, you can, of course, she's she lost her baby, mm -hmm. so she she's right. still hurt. And it's just like you can kind of tell she's she's not the same. Yeah. Of course, when you lose a family, you're mm -hmm. not gonna be the same. It's, nothing's gonna be the same. You kind of have to just learn how to to deal with it like you'll never get over it right. in a sense but like how, how do you stay strong in in times like this now because it's still fresh because this was what a little bit over a year since yeah. this happened yeah um i think it's some days i'm not strong some days it's real hard to get out of bed some days it's um you know we just closed out his estate last week and i didn't think anything of it and it I, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. Um, I think the strength comes from knowing and trusting that God's put us here for a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and so my strength comes from Him um, when I allow Him to be my strength, which is part of my problem, um, is thinking I can do it all on my own, and I can't do it on my own. And I know that in my head, but some days I get up and feeling a little bit cocky and think I can. And uh, so, yeah, um, it's definitely, I think it goes back to my word of the year in 2019 was perspective. And I think it goes back to perspective. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, even with this business, it's, I love 
my customers. I love their stories, um, and I love getting to know them. And so I try to focus on that. So I'm focusing on them and not on me. Uh, The minute that I start focusing on me is when I start losing my strength. Right. So when I focus on the Lord and I focus on my kids and I focus on my customers, that really is what fuels me to, to keep going. And the perspective is to know that there's going to be some hard days. There's going to be some hard days and that's okay. And there's going to be days where I mess up and, um, mm-hmm. but that's, we all have those we days. All have those days. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the perspective of is have those days, acknowledge them, learn from them, and then getting up the next day and, and trying it all over again. Mm-hmm. You know, is there anything you, you would say you find out about yourself like the resiliency or anything since losing your husband that you may not have seen before while he was alive? Do you feel like it's anything you may have found out about yourself? I don't know that. I, I think I knew this about myself, but how I allow myself to get caught up in the details that don't go right instead mm-hmm. of focusing on all the things that do go right. Um, I think... He and that was one of that was he would fuss at me, you know, if I if I was in one of those times where I was focusing in on what didn't go right, he would go, well, what about this and what about this and what about that? So I think since he's been gone, it's it's I try to check myself, so to speak, to go, am I getting caught up in this detail that really doesn't matter? It may seem like a big deal right at this moment, but does this really matter in the in the scheme of things? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that I've one of my biggest learning is to not let the world steal my joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of those those things of, and I think that was part of my journey of going through everything. It's it was I was so focused on me, I was I was missing the joy, and and so that was one of those promises. After you know, you see life how short it is and how quick it can be taken from you. Right. Is to enjoy the little things. And and keep perspective, keep a, a a wide perspective on life. Absolutely, like sometimes we we can take. Not saying you did, but a lot of times we can take those things for granted, and we mm-hmm. don't really know how good we had it or how much we missed something until mm-hmm. it's actually gone. Exactly. What, what would you say is your fondest memory of your husband while he was alive? I don't know. There was a, there's a lot of them. It, the fact that he just he loved to make people laugh. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, he enjoyed that. Um, I think at my fondest memory is just he loved me through and through. He loved me big, mm-hmm. and and did from day one. And he got me. He understood how my brain worked. But yeah, he was the one that helped me not take life so serious. Mm-hmm. What would you tell people um, that may have lost a love when I know you're still going through it? Um, and it's, like we said, it's still fairly new. But if you could tell somebody who's, who's lost, lost a love, of course, a lot of people have lost family due to the pandemic and everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. But what would you tell someone who's, who's lost love? What kind of words of comfort could you give them? I think they've just got to, um, you know, one piece that I have is when Lawrence left here, he had a smile on his face. And I know he's in heaven. I believe that 
completely that he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully the situation is a family member knows that their lost family member is in heaven and that it's that almost a relief of they're not hurting anymore, they're not suffering anymore, they're in heaven, and that brings a lot of comfort. Um, for those of us who have family members, and we all do, who if they were to die today, they, they weren't going to go to heaven, I think those are the ones where you've, you've got you've to pray and, and pray that they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So when they do die, they, they go to heaven. And so I think that's, maybe I have a unique situation because I've got that, I, I know that, I know that that's where he's at. Um, mm-hmm. So that does bring, bring very much comfort comfort to me and 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 what we what we do just a few more questions and then we'll get ready to wrap it up do you do you have anything um of course you 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 guys were married 30 years 30 Mm -hmm. plus years yeah um had a lot of great memories is there anything that you wish you you guys could have have done together or do you feel like you know we made the best of our time while he was here for the most part we we made the best of our time you know Mm -hmm. um doing doing fun things and and just trying to enjoy life and you know one of our our crazy things that we would do is you know once a once a season you know in the in the fall and the winter we would take the kids to a fancy hotel and a fancy fancy restaurant we would just stay one night we'd kind of blow the budget one night and and just expose them to that and and you know part of that was because he and I didn't get to do that when we were younger we you know, once we started traveling, we, we were exposed to some of that. So we just wanted to expose them to other ways of, of living. Um, so that was a, a fun thing that we would do. Um, many a nights we would just get in the car and we'd just ride. Hmm. We would just ride. No no destination in sight. Just ride and, and see what we could, we could see. Hmm. Um, how, did, how did COVID impact um, you from the standpoint of, like, uh, of businesses and, and also, like, personally because, you know, when when COVID hit, it was kind of like social distance. You can't go see some of your family members, mm-hmm. and with, with you losing your husband, that may be a time where you really needed to be around family. Mm-hmm. So, how did COVID impact all of that for you? We really, it actually was a really sweet time for me and Lawson and Olivia, mm-hmm. um, primarily because we were, you know, at home together. Um, just learning how to do life. So it actually was a blessing to us because we didn't have all the, the outside world coming in to, and not, and not that the outside world gives you pressure in that, but it's, you know, it's more about, um, just healing. Mm -hmm. And so we really just got to work through things on our own a little bit, um, which was a safe place for us. It was a safe place at home. And, um, you know, it, it, the first time that I, the first time you see family and the first time that you go to church after losing a, a loved one like that, it's like, you feel like everybody's looking at you and they may, whether they are, or whether they're not, it's just, you just, you just feel a little raw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so COVID actually allowed us time just to, to heal a little bit without having to feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. Does it, does it help you? Um, I guess. I know it's, it's sad. It's, it's very touching, but does it help you a little bit to, you know, when you talk about your husband or, or is it hard to, you know, still kind of share some of these things at times? 
I th- when we talk about some of the crazy things that he would do and the crazy songs that he would make up and and um, those are fun and we still we laugh we laugh about those. Um, I think it gets hard for me, you know, when you start thinking about the kids getting married or or having their first their first babies or or when I when I sit back and I I think about how much he loved me and I knew that he did when he was here. That wasn't something that I just figured out after he after he passed away. Um, I think that's that's the hard part of 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 talking about it and missing that missing that connection missing that foundation. Mm-hmm. My my final two questions: if if you could if you had that one chance where you could uh, talk to him again, what would you um, say to him? I'm telling him thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I look around and there's so many people who never get to experience that kind of love, mm-hmm. and. So I do, I feel blessed that I had him in my life for 32 years and, and that he loved me. Um, so yeah, thank you. And my, my final question, um, I, first of all, let me, I want to thank you again, cause I know this is tough, tough, um, but I really appreciate hearing your story. Um, I know it's touch, very touching. A lot of people will, will, um, hear the story and be inspired. Um, they'll love it. Um. Because there's so many people that's going through things that we may not even know about. So we, we always tell people, you know, I always treat people with respect because you never know what they're going through. Um, and just speaking to them or just any kind of words of encouragement could just make their day. So um, I know a lot of people um, hearing this will definitely um, appreciate you sharing that story because we all need this to kind of get through these difficult times. And um, like I said, we we know Everybody has a day where they're going to leave this earth. We just don't know when it's going to happen right. and, and then how it's going to happen. That's, right. It's just so um, unfortunate. So you just have to be thankful for the people that are in your, in your life mm-hmm. all the time. You know, sometimes you may get frustrated with them and, right. and get upset, but you just have to really value and cherish those people. And now even even as men, a lot of times, I know sometimes we, we try to be strong, but now we get to a point now where my brother, my friends, and my cousins I always tell me, man, well, I love you. I appreciate you because mm-hmm. you never know if that's going to be your last right. time seeing them. So I always tell your uh, loved ones that you love them. But um, my, my final question, um, I know you didn't really want to talk too much about your business, but um, but but your journey is just it just definitely dignifies this, this final question is, what does, and we ask everybody this question, um, what does self-investment mean to you? That's a big question. Um, self-investment to me is, it means a lot of different things, a lot of different levels. I think self-investment is is surrounding yourself with great people who can help support you. Um, self-investment is always be learning something in whatever way that is. If you're not a reader, then listen to a podcast. If you're not a podcast, then read. If, if you don't like either of those and you like talking, find a great mentor um, that can mentor you. Um, I think self-investment is, is also not go, it's going back to that perspective, not being too hard on yourself when thing, when you do have a bad day or, or you do make a, a mistake. Um, but I think the big thing is self-investment is just appreciating whatever journey God's put you on and mm-hmm. knowing that there's a plan for it. You may not understand it. You may not like it. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't like that he's not here with me anymore. Um, but I, I, 
I've been I've been given a path, and I think it's my my duty for not just me and my family, but to walk it and walk it in a way that that I should. Absolutely, well, Miss Rossman. I really want to thank you again for sharing the story. I I didn't really mean to make you shed so many tears. Oh, that's tears, okay. I didn't think it, I was, but yeah. you know, hey. But but it's definitely something. Like I said, we definitely need to hear. Everybody needs to hear because we're like I said, everybody's going through something. We've all lost somebody near and dear to us. Um, me personally, I, I definitely, like I said, I lost my uncle, or my my cousin. Um, I lost my grandmother at a, at an early age. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I actually wrote about it in my book, and it was kind of like for me. I called it. I actually called it the, the chapter in my book is called the right mistake, and it's because just you know, I didn't. I love my grandmother, but at times I, I feel like I didn't really appreciate her mm-hmm. like I should have while she was here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I call it a right mistake because now if I could go back, I would write that mm-hmm. wrong that I had. Um, but I definitely, um, like I would tell anybody, definitely cherish and appreciate your loved ones. Before we get out of here, I will let you, um, one more bit of advice that you have for people watching this, this, this going through these tough moments. Like what advice would you have for them? Don't stop. Don't stop. Take the next step. It might be a baby step. It might be a big giant step, but don't stop. Don't you, if you're in the valley, don't stay in the valley. You may be in the valley for a little while, but you, you just don't stop. Absolutely. And I also want to let you, I know you didn't really want to, but we want to let you go ahead and let everyone know how you can, they can find your business because this is definitely, uh, we definitely love to um, promote businesses, um, support each we, we always have to support each other. So also, if you could, tell everyone how they can find you in your business. Sure. Um, it's Floor Coverings International of the Upstate. Um, you can find me on the web. It's upstatesc.floorcoveringsinternational.com. Uh, also, you can find me on Facebook, uh, which is um, FCI Upstate, uh, or on Instagram. Absolutely. So, Ms. Rosman, I want to thank you again. Uh, I really appreciate your story. Hopefully, everyone here... Let's tune into this episode. You guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you learned something and definitely value and appreciate your loved ones while they're here. So until mm-hmm. next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.